The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, episode 497 for Sunday, April 13th, 2014. <laughs> Greetings, folks. And welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab, the show where you send in questions, tips, and cool stuff found. We answer your questions, we share your tips, and yes, today we are going to go through some cool stuff found, but we've got some other stuff to talk about as well. Uh, and the goal, of course, is for us to learn many new things when we get together. Yeah, we're setting the bar high today, folks, and we are going to hit it. That's called standing at the plate and pointing to the stands. But uh, this show is sponsored by Gazelle at gazelle.com. The uh, folks that will buy back all of the Apple hardware that you're not using and send you money. And also, this show is sponsored by Barebones at barebones.com, the makers of BB Edit and Yojimbo and fine software for literally decades for your Mac. But we'll talk about those later here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Fearful, Connecticut, which is where I don't know if I'd necessarily want to get hit with. A ball that is being hit out of the park, right? <laughs> that, that's that's what I was saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, in Fairfield, Connecticut, springy, very springy. Oh my gosh, very springy, Fairfield, Connecticut. John F. Ron. Uh, yeah, so we uh, we got to see each other this week, John. I, I came down your way. Uh, you put me up in in uh, Shea Braun there, uh, and uh, we went into Pepcom this week in New York City. Where we at the at the fine Hammerstein Ballroom? What a cool venue! And uh, uh, yeah, so yeah. Pepcom is awesome. You you've done their things at CES. Um, you know it's it's fun here. Um, <laughs> we had all sorts of fun. It's like it's one like, taking the taking the train was just fun because you you got to see the uh, what I have to admit now is substandard performance by uh, you know a certain. MTA, come on, guys! Twenty minutes late, dude. That's right. You know, we were like on the clock, man. We we, we had places to go, people to see. That's right. We saw our friend Slough. That was so cool. We did. In fact, the intro, cool. the intro of the show, of course, as Slough will know, was was inspired by him, and and we'll leave it at that. But uh, yeah, no, it was fun. Pepcom is kind of like speed dating for the press. It's uh, there's there were about what thirty five, maybe forty companies there with uh, little mm. kiosks set up. I, I don't want to say booths. It's not like a big trade show. It's not overproduced or anything. It's just bunch of companies with booths, really cool products. And, uh, and, and you get to have some one-on-one time, but the only people allowed in are press, which, which is actually great because it means that any conversation I wind up eavesdropping in on, and by <laughs> eavesdropping, I mean, I arrive at a booth and someone's talking to someone. Chances are they're talking about something that's of interest to me. It's not a customer. It's not some guy looking for a job. It's just somebody that's interested in their products. So um, and learning about their products. And so it's great. Oh, yeah. yeah. Everybody's on the same page. It's exactly. very high bandwidth. I, I'm with you. It's speed dating. The, the, these guys excel at events like this, where you have a mm-hmm. uh, unusual ratio of, you know, exhibitors to press, right. in which you can see everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Some shows forget it like CES. Good luck, man. Sure. Well, that's because they have thousands of exhibitors, right? <laughs> yeah, but it's also many, many different kinds of, of, of uh, attendees, right? There's, there's, I mean, the press is but a small um, uh, piece of that. So it, it's good. It's great. Um, so we will talk about some of the stuff that we saw there during Cool Stuff Found. Uh, and we've got a lot of other stuff, stuff you folks have sent in and, of course, stuff that, that we have 
simply seen on our own as well. Uh, but I wanted to talk a little bit first, John, about our, the well, during the last show, I mentioned that we were running from an SSD uh, here in the studio off of a USB drive. And we ran into some problems during the show, uh, audio problems, which you heard. And, and of course, we, we tried to fix uh, very, very quickly and, and then just get past it. But of course, during the last week, I spent some time digging in. Uh, it turns out the audio problems I don't. In fact, I know we're not related to USB because we just had one again uh, during pre-show, uh, which which sort of proved my theory. It it has to do with the way Mavericks is forcing uh, or Apple is forcing people into core audio uh, only with uh, with Mavericks. And so getting audio from Skype is now this very interesting little dance that we have to do. And I think we've got it stable for this show, uh, but we will all find out together. Uh, but I did get rid of the USB part of the equation because my son and I, uh, John, we took apart uh, this iMac and it was my first time going into an iMac and we took out the the uh, hard drive and, and swapped in the SSD. And, and I'll say right up front, this is going to be we're going to be talking about this uh, because uh, over the next probably, you know, whatever, you, you know how we go with, with conversations here uh, over the next month, we'll, we'll, this, this will recur once or twice because uh, this inspired doing this inspired me to learn more about the variety of uh, SSD upgrade options that are available out there. Because I was able to take a 2007 machine, so a seven year old Mac and really, really update it for um, for, you know, for today's world. It's running Mavericks. It's running fast now. And the huge part of the bottleneck was that that uh, that spindle hard drive in there. And now the machine actually isn't I.O. bound. It's it's you know, the, I, I see it at times max out the processor, which is good because it means it's doing things. But it's really fast now. And the thing is, you can do like a 256 gig drive for less than one hundred and fifty bucks now. So it's like 50 cents a megabyte. You can get a 480 or a 512 in that you know, two fifty to three hundred dollar range. It, it's uh, it's pretty awesome. Huh. So we're going to be checking it, these out. <clears throat> yeah, and it pleases me, Dave, to hear you use a term that I often heard in my schooling days and computer science days is I/O bound. Oh, that's it. Some people may be like, "What was? What does Dave mean by that?" Because I don't think everybody knows. No, and thank the, you. So, so, to, so to just dive into that because I think it's an important uh, uh, thing to understand when you talk about. Absolutely. Uh, especially things you and I talk about weekly, which is my Mac is slow because whatever. And, and the, the reasons, and so Dave touched on this, but the, there are different terms that um, both, you know, computer science, computer engineering people use, but just, you know, we tech folks and we geeks, and we're going to share this with you. So what Dave said, one way a system can be slow is that it's IO bound. And what that means in general is that the devices that it's communicating with are the reason that it's not operating at potentially its maximum capabilities in that I can't talk to the disk fast enough. Right. What I'm, I'm waiting for the disk. And in fact, if you look, um, activity monitor doesn't really show this in an easy way, but um, activity monitor is his uh, it's, it's a lot more than this now, but, but it effectively started life as a graphical representation of a Unix command called top. And it's very easy for you to run in the terminal. You just launch the terminal and literally type top and press enter. And you'll see a list of processes running and there's all kinds of switches that you can add and all that stuff. But up at the top, it shows you um, 
what uh, I'll top on this on Mavericks doesn't show IO, does it? Dang it. Why do they break this? Ah, they broke top. Never mind. I, most Unixes show you uh, IO as a percentage of the CPU. Now, it's not actually the CPU, but it's the CPUs waiting for the data to either come in or out. As John said, the, the computer just can't do its job because it's waiting for data to either be read or to be written. And that's what IO bound means. Um, and that's a huge part. Probably in in today's world, and certainly even with a seven-year-old machine, even for a geek like me, that mm -hmm. is the thing that slows this machine down. Because with right. now with the SSD in there, I am no longer IO bound. And it, it literally feels like a brand new Mac. What used to take 10 minutes to start up now takes a right. minute. It, literally. And you, know, you actually bring up a good point that I hadn't really thought about. But the thing is, you're absolutely correct in that when you look at the computer, whether it be iStat menus or activity monitor or something, it shows it can show you disk throughput. But how do you know where that ranks in the grand scheme of things? And, and the thing I think we've suggested in the past is, well, you kind of have to understand the speed of your bus and the speed of the SSD, you know, and the specs that's buried in the specs here, whereas processor is easy because it shows you it's like, well, I'm at 100 percent. And right So I'm with you on that. So, so, so it's definitely more difficult, though. though there, there's no argument, I think, that, you know, an SSD almost always well, will always speed things up versus, uh, you know, it's uh, earlier counterparts. But all right. So when you're di when your I.O. is limited, it's I.O. bound. The thing I just talked about, I, I think I touched on, which is processor. Well, that that's called a CPU bound. Sure. Problem. And that happens Mostly from from what we've talked about, Dave, we're just the people that we know is maybe not so much audio processing, but when you're doing what what I'm going to call the heavy li heavy lifting, which sure. requires just computational mojo, and the, you know, like video, I think is a prime example of something where you know, whether it's transcoding or producing video, where if if you got processor, it's going to get chewed up. Even just doing <laughs> video chat, well, because video chat is transcoding live on the fly. Right. You know, when when you're right. doing so a Skype, that's or, where you're going to yep. see, because most people will think, well, you know, I got a, you know, at the very least, a dual or quad core Intel, you know, two yeah. gigahertz processor. How could I possibly saturate that? And initially you may be like, well, I don't know. And yeah, I think you and I agree that video work almost always uh, pegs the processor. Um, if you're talking about computational other than that. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So it's. um it's been very interesting, you know, and, and the good news was that really um, the I.O. issues went away with even running it over USB just because most of what we do is tiny files back and forth on our Macs. And uh, and it's just the waiting for the disk to get to the point where it can read or write those is the, the biggest slowdown. And with SSDs, that's effectively uh, no time at all. So but moving it inside was was an interesting tour. Uh, I was very, very nervous about taking the glass off. I have owned the suction club suction cups for the I, I, uh, iMac glass uh, and uh, for years, but never used them. And of course, this time we used them. It's nothing. You put the suction cups on and you pull and, uh, you know, pull straight because you are pulling a large piece of glass so mm -hmm. it can break. But uh, but you just pull straight off and it just comes off. It's nothing. It's no big would deal you, at all. Would you recommend another person help you or? Yes. My son and I did okay. it together and that. Right. Uh, I did it with with Duffy. Yeah. The, having one person to to 
stabilize yes. or hold the the rest of it steady. Okay, no, definitely, definitely, yeah. But it it was it was so easy, and and there were other parts of the process. And we again, as I mentioned, we used the iFixit uh, instructions, and we did our thing with taping the the screws down. You know, we just we have our 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 deal. Although uh, we might have something coming from iFixit, we'll talk about because I've got another one of these to do. <laughs> So we'll, we'll talk about that uh, in a, in an upcoming show that, that might actually make it even better. But um, uh, you know, it worked out fine. We went in and, and on this Mac, there is a physical sensor that is taped or was taped to the hard drive for the, uh, for the temperature. And so I thought, great. Cause it's not, you know, I think the two with the 2009 IMAX, that sensor was like built into the drive electronics. And, and so it, it would screw up your, your Mac if you didn't have, uh, so this was a, because, you know, I recall seeing this also. So it was a separate, it almost looked like a transistor, which it yeah. could be, in fact. Yeah, sure. And it was taped to the, yeah, but it was meant to measure the temperature. So it was a right. separate circuit and not integrated with the hard drive, which I think is what we heard is when it, it gets unpleasant. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, it so I taped the thing to the drive and uh, and this machine lives in the studio, but I brought it over to the house to do. And we have almost the identical machine in the house. And uh, and so after we plugged it all back in and we got it back together in, in the way we wanted. And, and uh, I said to Lucas, I said, do you think we should test it uh, before I bring it over to the office? And he said, well, yeah, I kind of feel like we should. Like, OK, good. Smart. <laughs> so we, we just we just plugged it in where the other iMac is. You know, we just kind of unplugged that one and plugged this in and it booted up totally fine. Everything was golden. I didn't have to do anything. And then I said to Lucas, I said, those fans seem kind of loud, huh? He said, oh, yeah. So we looked and uh, I was using iStat menus, but there's plenty of other tools out there that you can look. And the hard drive fan normally runs at 1200 RPM on this machine, was running at 5500 RPM on this machine. And that told me that uh, Hmm. despite the fact that I taped this new sensor to the SSD, just as I was supposed to, something was awry. Now, there are many things that it could be. Well, one of three, I believe. Either I didn't plug the sensor back in, although I'm certain that I did. Uh, or I, I taped it, but it fell off, which is possible. I can't see inside the computer or that the SSD's temperature is hot enough. It's surface temperature is too hot for or is hotter than it, than the hard drive surface temperature would have been. So it's triggering the fans. Whatever the reason is irrelevant, uh, because I'm not opening the machine back up. I have oh. a, pro- I have a problem, right? You know, well, I want to had a suggestion. What, what what's your suggestion, John? Well, did you look at so iStat menus? You said you you are running that now. The thing is, there is a sensors. Oh yeah, portion. That's what I'm looking at. Yeah. Oh, all right. So you're going to talk about that, but yeah. I want to make sure that, that that's where you were going. Yeah. Well, but you are because in that case, it may have a but clue. See, but iStat, I, I want to hear what iStat menus has a sensors portion, but it does not tell me what the hard drive temperature sensor shows it tells me what the hard drive smart reeling show reading shows so the the drive will report its own internal temperature to the mac over the drive interface using the smart protocol uh and and that's what iStat menu shows me for this SSD, and that's what it shows me for the drive in the the built-in drive in the in the very similar iMac in the house. So I have no way that I have yet found every utility I tried uh, defaults to showing me the smart temperature and not what the uh, hard drive okay. sensor. Yeah. Okay. Just so, to mention, because the difference I see, so on my MacBook Pro, I don't see any hard drive temp sensors on my iMac. I do see one sensor 
both using iStat menus that says HDD1. Yeah, but right you don't now, have an HD iMac. Is, you have a Mac Mini. Right. So I guess what, what, what I'm observing is that, yeah, some, some of the machines have it and some don't. Well, One it has kind it. kind of does. It has it. There's no question. So mm-hmm. I, I looked online and I found two pieces of software. Um, uh, HDD Fan Control, which is made by the same uh, folks that make Bartender. Right. They sell an app. It, it's 35 bucks uh, and it in, instantly solved this problem. Uh, even in, in trial mode, which runs for an hour, as soon as I launched it, uh, it, what it does, and both of these apps do the same thing, uh, in different ways. It launches uh, the other one. Sorry. The other one is called, uh, SSD fan control, and it is from exeron.net E X I R I O N. We'll put both of these in the show notes. Of course, that one's free. Uh, they both do the same thing. They read the SSD's temperature from, or, or can do the same thing. By default, HDD fan control does it. It reads the SSD's temperature from smart and then adjusts the fan accordingly. So it's, it, you're not losing any functionality. They, they both launch as system uh, processes, so you don't have to be logged in, uh, and it works great. HDD fan control is definitely the more automatic and easy to use of the two. Uh, but SSD fan control is not that hard. And it, by default, it's in manual mode where you just manually set the speed of the fan and that's it. That's okay up until the point that things overheat and you need the fan to actually cool them down. Now, whether that would happen with an SSD is, is sort of up for debate because why would that happen? There's no moving parts, but ambient temperature could, could play a role there. So with SSD fan control, I had to manually put it into automatic mode uh, to make that work. And, and then it worked fine. So, uh, but I, I did talk to the, the, uh, the developer of, of HDD fan control, uh, which is again, the same guy that makes bartender there. And he said, I shouldn't be having this problem with this machine, but, uh, but again, it's hard to say. So he suggested that I reset the SMC, which I did. Mm. Uh, and that didn't help it. It, you know, I mean, I had to uninstall the software to get a good test, obviously. So I uninstalled all the software and reset the SSD, but, uh, but they, you know, it's fine. So for 35 bucks or for free, whichever way you want to go, uh, you can solve this problem and it's a done deal. So that's, that's what I did. Okay. Yeah. Now have you also, you know, I just want to mention it since we're maybe talking about cool stuff out, but did you try SMC fan control? Yeah, that's it's not needed. helpful. It's it. That's not for this problem. Uh, it can okay. be, it's half of what's for this problem. So somebody had, had written, right. A, a big cron script disaster that pulled the drive smart temperature or drives temperature via smart and then triggered SMC fan control to control the speed of the fan hmm. manually. But it's not there's no automatic component of that. It, so it, it was right. it's the wrong way to go. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't interested in, in cobbling together a solution. <laughs> no way. Uh, well. Yeah, and I had to use um, I had to use the the adapted drive, which I think I mentioned in the last show, the newer tech adapted drive to uh, because the SSD is a two and a half inch thing, and the the main drive in this was, but it was mm-hmm. like fifteen bucks or something. So, um, so I worked, it, but it, I mean, it works great now. It, it's been in there all week. It, I've rebooted it a bunch. It's, uh, it you know, it just works. So, uh, so I'm I'm eager. I have I have drives on the way. I'm going to do the one in the house. And then I'm actually going to do my wife's old early 2008 uh, MacBook Pro. We're going to upgrade that to a um, to an SSD as well uh, with different different ones from different brands. I've got one from OWC coming because I want to test theirs. 
and I've got one from Crucial coming, and I might have one from Kingston coming too. So we're going to uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go a little bit nuts here in the Hamilton household and and splurge a little bit on some upgrades. So, uh, but uh, but I but you know the, my point is I want to test all these, and there's some things, some nuances that we'll talk about, especially with that early 2008 MacBook Pro, because if you put the wrong drive into it. Uh, it will only run at half speed, so it won't run at a full three gigabits. Um, it'll run at one point five. So I've got to, I, I'm, I'm messing with that uh, accordingly. Mm-hmm. But um, but you know, you look at these older machines, and literally for one hundred and fifty bucks, you can turn them into something that's like, you know, totally first rate. So <laughs> it's great. I mean, you know, in terms of speed for what most people need, that's a good thing. So there you go. That's. Uh, that's what I got there, John. Any thoughts on before we move on to the uh, to the next topic here? In the SSD realm, yeah. Okay. My my next. So yeah, as we discussed, my you know MacBook Pro early two thousand eight is getting old. So absolutely, the next machine I get will have probably a five twelve gig. I think that's a good sure <laughs> compromise. What? And you could upgrade your your early two. Not that I want to encourage you not to buy a new Mac, but uh, you know your early two thousand eight MacBook Pro with an SSD would probably feel like a brand new machine. I'll let you know because we're going to do it again here. So nice, yeah, cool. I I want to take a quick moment here and uh, and mention our first sponsor, which is uh, which is Gazelle, Gazelle dot com, uh, and they are the place that you would go to sell off your old iPhone, your old iPod, your old iPad, sometimes even your old Mac. Uh, it's the right place. And, and you can find out that the, the thing is, you don't have to do any kind of guessing game. All you do is visit gazelle.com and they've got a great mobile interface. They've got a great web interface on your Mac. So you just plug it in and uh, and go. And, and you, you start saying, okay, you, you, you visit gazelle.com. You say, I want to uh, check out for my iPad. I've got an old iPad I want to sell off. And you put in what generation it is, what size it is, uh, whether it's Wi-Fi only or if it also has 3G or 4G or LTE, what condition it's in, whether it has the charger or not. Uh, and as, a, as an aside, that last little bit it doesn't really impact the price enough if you think you want to keep your charger, keep it. You might lose five bucks in the process, which to me is worth it to buy a charger that you're going to use with, say, your next iPad or whatever. But uh, you just do that. And then uh, it'll t- they'll tell you right there on the website. You don't have to wait. It's, it's not like you're waiting for somebody. They'll tell you what the price is going to be. And uh, if you like the price, then you say yes. And it, then at that point, they ask you for your name and they send you a box. And inside that box is a return shipping label. No charge to you. A... Uh, all the packing materials and they've got really innovative packing. It's pretty cool. Uh, it doesn't typically use, you know, foam or anything. I've never, in fact, I've never seen foam, so it may never use foam. Uh, I've used it a bunch. And usually what it is, is it's a, a, a cardboard, a piece of cardboard with a piece of uh, plastic over it. And you tuck your iPhone in underneath the plastic and it just holds it suspended in midair. It's pretty cool. Keeps it safe. Uh, so there's all the packing material, including a piece of tape to close the box after you put your iPhone in. And then um, it, th- that's it. And, and so then, you you know, you put the new label on, you put it back in the mail. It goes to them. 
again, nothing. You have paid nothing. You never pay anything. They ship the box to you. They pay to ship the box from you. When they get it, they open it up, make sure it's got what it, what you said. And then they send you your money. PayPal, they can write you a check. Or if you want Amazon bucks, they'll, they'll, I think they'll bonus you 5% if, uh, if you do it that way. So it, it's really great. Their customer service is amazing. Uh, and I, I, I use that word sparingly uh, for that because I'm really kind of a customer service maniac and uh, most people do it wrong, frankly, but gazelle is, is not most people. They are customer service ninjas over there and they really go out of their way doing things. We've heard so many stories from so many of you that, uh, that just warm my heart. It's, it's great to have a company that this good at customer service sponsoring our show. It, it, it's awesome. So check it out gazelle.com sell off all your old stuff and and throughout the process they'll ask where you heard about it of course and that's uh that's where you click the mac geek gab button it's right there in their list and that will uh, let them know you heard about it from us and we appreciate it so check them out gazelle.com all right john you ready to talk about this we we started a couple of weeks ago and kind of put the put the query out to folks who were doing the consulting thing uh, going out there in various ways, uh, helping out others with their uh, with their Mac problems and things like that, because there's a lot of people that listen to this show that do that. And there's a lot of people that listen to this show that want to do that. Um, and in fact, there are some that listen to this show that started by wanting to do it and now actually do it for a living. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we, we, we've had some in fact, we've had a lot of uh, fantastic stories uh, from folks out there, not just folks that wound up as consultants. In fact, we. Our friend Jared, who uh, who brought us to uh, Cafe Max for lunch uh, a couple of weeks ago. Can can we talk about it? Yeah, he told us we could talk about it. No, it's it's great. He started out as um, well, I'll 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 fast forward a little bit. Uh, And he started out as an EMT and uh, and cool wanted to and got an iPhone and started listening to this show and became an Apple genius part-time and then I think full-time. And then uh, now he's working uh, for Apple corporate doing some great stuff over there. And, uh, and it's in part because of, of uh, you know, what we do here in the show. So, uh, and, 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 there, and, and of course along the way, other podcasters uh, inspired and influenced Jared too. And it's, it's, oh, sure. it's fantastic. We saw a lot at Macworld. We, we saw more than one person at Macworld that said, gee, thanks to, you know, what you guys are doing. Yeah. I got excited about Apple and, and Hey, I'm making a, because when we boil it down, all right. So it's always cool to help people out. That's it. You know, but because you're a good person, but then, but no, Dave, I, I think, and the direction of the conversation is, but Hey, what if you want people to give you some money? Right. To do this sort of thing. And I think that's where the conversation begins here because like you and me, and oh, <laughs> I'm sure many, many of our listeners I am the kind of family IT guy and you, Dave, sure. obviously are the family IT guy. I, I don't know how much, uh, you know, you're training, uh, the rest of the family to, to, <laughs> I, I make them sit with me at that role. Absolutely. Oh no, they do. They, they, like, they, I don't know if you're, you're, you're teaching Hector how to do, you know, phone support or stuff. I tried she's pretty good she, at that. She nibbled off my ear, so I can't do that anymore. So, uh, but, oh. you know, that's how she, she, she usually, uh, my experience was squawk at the collar. It was a good Hector. Hector, strategy. of course, being our, our parrot who has, uh, we have adopted as our, our mascot here after, after she was Ambrosia's mascot for the last 21 years. So 
Uh, yeah, she's good. But they told but, me that they, they would hand off calls to her when it got really difficult. Because at Ambrosia. Walk at them. Sure. That's right. <laughs> well, we don't we try not to do that here. But anyway, we right. so we had a, a listener who actually was asking, you know, what can you in fact, I'm going to read his his query here. And then we're going to we've got a couple of replies that uh, that we've sort of filtered through. And, and then John and I'll sort of share some some stuff as well. He says, uh I've been listening to Matt Geekab for over five years now. During that time, I've heard you mention several times that you had your own computer repair training and service business. Ever since I was a kid working on and taking apart the K-Pro computers, I knew that this was what I wanted to do for a living. Long story short, I have been doing this for free for everyone I know for years. But now even my son gets calls from all of his friends' parents to fix their computers. So I'm starting my own computer company, and I would sincerely value any tips or tricks that you might have learned over the years for someone that is literally just starting out. So this is interesting, Dave, because my dream job when I was a kid was to be a computer consultant. That, that was it. Like when I was in high school, it was like, that, that's what I want to do. Maybe even middle school is where that started for me. And then I did that for a long time. And, and frankly, the only reason I stopped, well, I mean, I, was, I got busy, but I always kept doing it anyway. Um, but when we moved to New Hampshire here, uh, I didn't restart that business uh, b- because I, we had started this show and it sort of helped me kind of keep doing that same thing uh, without having to leave the the house to do it. So um, so so it's still, you know, it's it is the thing that led to this without without question. So, yeah, I um and, and there are some tricks. So, you know, in, in general, um I would say it's it's important to remember that every business is the customer service business. Now, I know I just mentioned that during the gazelle spot there, uh, but it's so true. You you have to remember, especially if you're going out to people's houses, these folks are inviting you into their home uh, and paying you good money, I hope. And uh, and and they are having you fix their problems. So so a, a couple of things. Number one, when you're there with the customer um, do your darndest to not make it you and their computer versus the customer, right? The, the it's already the customer versus their computer. So do your best. I, I always, and this is a, a more of a metaphorical thing. I always say, I want to be on the same side of the desk as my customer. I don't want to be across the desk where we're, you know, adversaries. I'm on the same side. I'm here helping you. But what that means, and that's easy to say, and a lot of times it's easy to do, but what it means is when you're there helping someone with their computer, don't prioritize your needs, prioritize their needs. And I ran into this a lot with, uh, especially folks when we were hiring, we had a fairly large consulting business in Austin and we would hire folks and, and the folks that had trouble were those that would go in and fix it the way they would want it fixed. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I mean, it's nice that you go in and you say, this is how I know how to fix this and this is what I'm going to do. But it's important to listen to the customer and say, okay, what is it that, I know your computer's broken. What is it? Show me how you wanted it to work. Show me how it used to work. Or if you're adding something new, show me what you want to do. And don't just willy-nilly install every, you know, it. I like iStat menus on every Mac that I use. In fact, I feel totally crippled without that. But that doesn't mean I'm going to install it for every customer I have. It's it's not their priority. And and the same is true for settings. You know, I might like my mouse set up a certain way. That's irrelevant. It's not my mouse. It's it's your mouse. It's it's the customer's mouse. So 
bear that in mind. And it, it, it's easier said than done a lot of the time, but it's an important thing. Um, I've got a second one and then, and then I throw it to you, John, and curious if uh, I know you've done uh, some consulting as well it, it, in addition to just helping out family. But when you, you're going to hang your shingle somehow, you put an ad in the paper or I guess maybe not in the paper. Although I, I will say this, if you live in a small town that has like a weekly rag that comes out, that's the best place to advertise this type of service. Um, and it's usually pretty cheap too, but it's the kind of thing where you just need to get in people's heads, but you might do a Google local ad or something like that targets your people. However it is, you're going to expose yourself um, in the right way to your uh, potential customers um, is, is what you want to do when the phone rings. Uh, obviously be pleasant, be friendly, but make sure they know what your rates are. Don't be afraid to talk money. Make it the not the very first thing you talk about, but make sure it happens during that that phone conversation. The last thing you want to do is arrive at someone's door, have them invite you in, fix their computer. And now after you've been there for, say, an hour and a half, now talk about rates. Bad idea. It's bad for you. It's bad for the customer. It's so much better to just deal with that up front, even though it's really uncomfortable. It's not it. Think of it from from the customer's perspective. When you're hiring a plumber, you want to call up and say, what's this going to cost me? And it may be that you don't know how long it's going to take. So the plumber says, well, I, you know, I charge whatever, you know, 85 bucks an hour, 125 bucks an hour. OK, great. How long do you think it's going to take? What's your minimum charge? That sort of thing. So uh, come up with your rate. I, your rates are going to be different in different areas of, of the world. So it's hard for me to say, but I think you're starting in that hundred buck an hour range might be depending on where you are. It might be 75, might be a buck and a quarter. Uh, but, but don't be afraid to charge good money for your services. Uh, my goal was always to solve the problem as quickly as I could and as efficiently as I could. Uh, and I had some people tell me you're more expensive by the hour than others, but you're cheaper in the end than others. And, and I always appreciated that. I thought that was a good thing. Uh, I always charged uh, whatever my rate was, and it, it did vary in different areas of the country and, and over time. But I always charged. I had my hourly rate and I had a one hour minimum and I picked an area, a reasonable area that I didn't charge for drive time. If somebody wanted me to come a long distance, then I did have to and I would negotiate. Maybe I'd charge them half rate for drive time or something. But um, but, you know, tell them right up front and, and get your speech together. I would say, oh, yep, my rate's 100 bucks an hour. Uh I, I have a one hour minimum and I don't charge for drive time. And you say that confidently and say it, uh, you know, without stumbling. And it's going to it's going to go. No one's going to you are going to be the most uh, uncomfortable one in that conversation. And eventually you won't even be uncomfortable with it. You just tell people and some people say that's too much. And you say, OK, that's fine. You know, I understand. I understand. And, uh, and then that's that. So that's uh, that's my first two pieces of advice. We've got some emails to share, John, but I'm curious what what you have to say. Um, I'm with you on a lot of that because you and I work together, I think, on some consulting adventures. Uh, I would agree with you on or I think you touched on this. But the the thing is, you have to at times. This could be difficult for us, you know, basement dwelling geeks and stuff, but uh, try to understand what what is the problem and I think you hinted at this, Dave, it's what do you think is the problem you're hearing from the person versus what, what is their problem? Right. You know, right. Do they want to play a game, watch a TV show, blah, blah, blah. And are you, 
or are you not getting buried in the technical details of their TC? The, the thing is, and I guess it gets to your point about customer service is really try to, especially as someone who is, you know, being methodical and trying to solve problems, try to really focus on all right, you know, the, this is entertaining for me as a, you know, technician or, or somebody who's technically adept, but always focus on why did this person call me again? Right. It's like, all right, my stream, you know, I can't watch my Netflix. Okay. Now you're going to start thinking, well, that's streaming and that's networking and Wi-Fi, and but, but no, remember, why did they call you? So right. that's one thing. Another thing I, I'm with you on is, is the rate thing and, you know, some suggestions I have for that is, you know, maybe check local resources. You know, what is the local, you know, Geek Patrol or whoever, you know, the local, you know, kind of big box store. What do they charge and try to, you know, focus in around that rate? You know, that'll give you, you know, an idea. But yeah, don't be afraid of that because you have to set that out. Now, the the, the only uncomfortable thing, Dave, and, you know, maybe we could save it for a later show. The only thing that I got to. That I had an issue with uh, in in some of my consulting, maybe you did too, and maybe we could save it for later. But it's like, all right, well, what happens when you do something? You do something the person wants, and then they come back to you and say, "Well, I'm not going to pay you because it didn't work." Maybe that's a later conversation. Oh no, it, I time. think that's a very because very I relevant had conversation. Happen, I had that happen once, and the thing is, I honestly dropped it because it wasn't worth my time to go to small claims and stuff like that. But the, but the place was like, you know, show up. It was a friend of a friend and, and I showed up, I solved their problem. And then it's like, well, you know, and I sent them like two to three invoices and and it was ignored. And I'm like, yeah, guys, what's up? And they're like, well, it still doesn't work. And I'm like, well, you know, it worked when I left, right. which it did. So it's like you, you know, I fixed something, you screwed it up, and now you say you shouldn't pay me because you screwed up what I fixed. Sure. Like, so, no, I, oh I totally, boy. I, this this was something we had to train uh, folks to do all the time, and, and it was something I dealt with, too. You have to get in front of that. So, there, there are two things. Again, it comes back to mm -hmm. customer service and making sure that the customer knows and even more importantly feels that you are on their side right so you show up their computer if it's a problem like this right it's different if you're installing mm -hmm. a printer or adding something but if you're solving a problem which is a lot of what you do is as a consultant you get there have them show you literally don't touch the machine unless it's obvious what the problem is uh you know have them show you sit down and show you okay great fine now the entire time that you were working on it I, I would talk to people un, to the point that they up until the point that they didn't want to hear from me. And I, I mean, I, I, I got to gauge this, so it didn't get weird. <laughs> but but telling them, OK, my first thought, you know, you show me the problem before I even touch the computer. OK, my first thought is it's this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to test this. And here's why I think it's this. And because that's a big part of not only helping the customer, you might actually teach them to do this in the future for themselves. But also showing, proving your value, right? Because it's possible that you won't solve the problem. Sometimes the problem is unsolvable. So you need to show them throughout the process that you're actually doing valuable work on their behalf. So, you, you know, you say, OK, this is what I think it is. Here's what I'm going to do. And you walk through and you do it. And then you say, OK, either that worked great or that didn't work. And if it didn't work and, and, you know, you say, OK, well, that didn't work. And and now we know it's not a. So now we're going to try B. 
And there, there will be times when you sort of have to pick, okay, well, I might try this or I might try that. Get the customer involved in that. Explain it to them in, in human terms. And that is your job to do. That's your burden as the consultant. Explain it in human terms. And, uh, and then just, you know, and then let them pick. Say, look, I can, do, I can do it this way. I can try and fix the problem by going in and editing all your preference files. Or we can fix the problem by, you know, backing up your data, wiping the hard drive and starting over. If it were me on my computer... I would do the preference file thing. And I think that's going to take about an hour and a half. Uh, the other thing might take about an hour, uh, you know, and maybe it'll take two hours, but it's a, a guaranteed fix. Which do you want me to do? You know, tell them what you would do, but let them pick again, getting them involved in that process. That, that serves two purposes. Number one, it proves your value, uh, but it also makes them feel, you know, a, a part of that process, no matter what. If you have solved the problem before you leave, before you even stop the clock from ticking, you say, okay, I believe we've got it. Have a seat. They started the visit at the computer showing you what was broken. They end the visit at the computer showing you that it now works. That solves 95% of those. Hey, now it doesn't work anymore issues. And, uh, and that, that's, that's how you deal with that. Uh, you know, you've got to, Yeah. And it was long ago. Yeah. But still, it was yeah. upsetting because it's like, worked when I left. <laughs> right, right. Well, now but it that's doesn't. it. If you've got the client testing it, then it's, again, it, it's you and them versus the computer. It's, it, and it, it's a hard mm. thing to do. It's, it's something that takes practice. It's something you won't get right the first couple of times. You'll, you'll have all kinds of issues and you wind up, maybe you're funding bills depending on, you know, what you run into. But that's, that's, the, that's the trick. Another way to deal with that, and this somewhat deals with it, is nowadays it's very easy to charge via credit card. You get, you know, a square reader, as somebody in the room is saying, and you can actually charge somebody's credit card right there on your iPhone, you know, and and you make that clear right up front. Say, I accept checks. Uh, Payment is due at completion of the visit. Don't say completion of services. Don't say when the problem is solved. Say payment is due at the end of each visit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and and you can, you know, tell them if you've got a square thing with you or a PayPal reader, I can take credit cards or I can take personal checks. And the funny question I was asked all the time was, do you take cash? I, people ask me that constantly. Of course I take cash. It's my preferred method of payment. There's no way that that's ever a problem. So what it, what is this cash you say? Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've heard of it. Yeah. It's we've like got some good paper. We've got some good comments in the room. People are suggesting that you uh, that you mm-hmm. encourage your clients to back up first. I, I know uh, I knew of a consultant. I never did this. Um, but I, again, we all have different ways of maintaining relationships with our customers. And this guy, Ed, that I knew who was excellent. He had a diff- a style that was 180 degrees opposite from mine. But his clients loved him just as much as my clients loved me. Uh, and our clients would not have loved the other guy. You know, we were the right ones for our people. And uh, Ed would get people, he was, he was kind of a, uh, an, uh, I don't want to say abrasive, but he was, you know, a little rough around the edges. And, uh, but that was his, it was his style. He was really good at it. And he would make people sign a thing when he walked in the door that I understand that Ed is not responsible for uh, any data loss. I have backed everything up that matters to me. You know, I am authorizing Ed to work on the computer and there's no guarantee of a solution. He had this whole big clause and there's nothing wrong with that, that, you know, it, 
the more communication you can do with your customer up front, the better off you're going to be down the road when there's a problem. It, it's real easy when you've solved their problem and, and everybody's happy where it gets tricky is when you do all the work and the problem is unsolvable. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's that. So uh, let's, um, let's read a couple of things. We've got one from, from Dave, which is just a great, um, a, a great thing. He says, um, let's see. He, he uh, uh, said, okay. Uh, he says, one of the basic things for us geeky guys who love to solve things that we need to embrace is Apple's life religion. The end user experience when they interact with an Apple product, no matter what the product is, an iPad, an iMac, an iPod. So this also includes their software. They want to ensure that the relationship between that one person buying their first iPad let, uh, and that product, which translates to the Apple brand as a service provider, I need to build that same foundation with the end user the same way Apple designs their brand. They are more than just a client and a relationship of understanding of how Apple views their customers needs to be reflected in us, the service providers. My goal as a service provider is to help my users get the most out of their technology they are trying to apply to their daily lives, no matter if they're a classroom teacher, an administrator, or work in one of the support roles throughout. He's in a school district, which is why he says this. He says, uh, let's say I'm not in it for the money, which he says I am, but that's just the way it is. He says, getting to play with all the cool toys is nice, but it's the relationships I have built with those who I service. That's what it's all about. And it, it really is that, you know, you can have a, it can be a truly enjoyable uh, profession there. Some of the, 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 you know, my years as a consultant were, were some of the, the, you know, the, some, some of the best work I've done. I've, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, it's great stuff. So yeah, Dave's right. You know, embracing that. And it speaks to that same thing, just making sure the customer's getting what they want and they love you. And there's nothing better than going to somebody's house. They've got some problem. The whole family is down about it. You fix it two hours later, you're leaving and they're literally in the driveway cheering for you. It's awesome. It's a great feeling knowing that you've been able to help people. So it's, uh, it's good. It's good. And another cheering. note, go ahead. Awesome. Cheering. I've, I've had it. Oh no, I totally have. Yeah. <laughs> I also had, you know, and Graham, we have a comment from Graham that I'm going to read, but Graham's also in the chat room, which is great. And he said, he tries not to watch progress bars. Um, he tries not to charge for just watching progress bars. He tries to find other things to do, uh, which is great. Um, and, and these days that's far more possible than it was, you know, whatever, uh, 15 years ago. Uh, where, you know, I spent a lot of time as a, I felt like I was a paid therapist. All I did a lot of times was, you know, upgrading mm -hmm. windows. So you were feeding floppies in, right? So that takes a really long time. There were Ugh. 36 floppies. And so I, you know, I remember this one guy he talked about his, his life in the military and he had all these problems and it was this big thing. And I was there literally two hours as his therapist. I got paid pretty much as much as his therapist. So I didn't feel too bad about it, but I'm not really <laughs> trained in that regard, you know? So if you're if you're if you're at somebody's place solving their problems, then, yeah, when you have the dead time, mm -hmm. you could be like. So tell me about how you share your photos or right. your audio or your tweets or whatever. And there's more business. That's awesome. it. Total, oh, totally. <laughs> I had I had one guy. But also, no, I've done that. You know, again, when I had dead time, whether it be compiling software or 
you know, you're initializing a, 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 a NAS or something. It's like, what do we talk about now? Right. Why don't we talk about what, what are you using? You know, uh, me as the consultant. Yeah. What else do you do with your computer? That's right. And I found that often leads to, you know, whether it be family or friends or whatever leads to, you know, other paths where, yeah, maybe you can get a buck, maybe not. But but if nothing else, it, it, it enlightened you as to what are people doing with their, you Absolutely. know, which I, I, I always found fascinating in that, you know, when I'm out and about, I always notice, uh, you know, in the corner of my eye, people using their social media, whether it be their iPhone, their iPad, their hopefully not their portable, you know, computer. That's uh, right. Interacting in public because that's just that just. Oh. identifies you as you know hopeless oh, right that's not right i use my macbook pro and or my I macbook know. air in public all the time i don't think uh, i'm hopeless I, I, I still wonder about people that hold their ipads use their ipads as cameras it's still it's hey if that's the only device you have I, it looks funny I'm with you. but you know um i had this one client yeah. who and i did uh i did mac work but i also did windows work i was i was fully versed in both and uh, I had this one guy who had two Macs and a Windows machine at his house. And we would have these marathons. And when there was a progress bar on one, it was like, OK, next. And he would have this big list. We'd literally go for five or six hours. Were, these were very lucrative appointments for me. But uh, but it was crazy. I would leave these things totally drained. I mean, they were and he would, too. You know, we, we still we're, we became good friends. How could you not? You know, when you're spending that kind of time. And in that sort of, you know, intense environment, and it was nonstop. He had, you know, one computer upstairs and two downstairs. And, and so we would bounce up around and I'd say, OK, when this happens down here, press that button and I'm going to go up and start the next thing. And we had all this crazy stuff going. So that, th those wow. were fun appointments. Tag team. Cool. Oh, it was crazy. Yeah. I'd enlist the client's help. Why not? You know, again, you know, he and he learned a ton doing that so uh but yeah it's fun to find things to do when when the progress bars are spinning so i'm gonna read uh graham's comment here he says uh i went through the transition of being a corporate i uh, corporate slave 25 years of it experience across the spectrum of roles to a self-employed uh, mac apple slash it consultant uh over three years ago and while admittedly the pay is uh, not quite as nice i'm loving my job You'll probably have other consultants who recommend various must have tools. And we've talked about a lot of those. So I've kind of let that that go. Uh, he says, but I've got some rules I want to share. Uh, number one, keep it simple. Any solution should fit with the Apple ethos of it just works. You're putting a solution in place for your client, not for yourself. Obviously, I couldn't agree more. Number two, be upfront when you encounter a question or problem to which you don't know the answer. IT systems have many, many ways of going wrong, and you will not have prior experience with all of them. What your prior experience provides is the ability to efficiently research the issue and find a solution. I'm going to stop there. That's an interesting one. And I would there. There were times when I would tell someone, hey, I know the answer to your problem because I saw it three weeks ago at somebody's house and it took me two hours to find out the answer. But now it's a five minute solution for me because I've already done the work. And I would tell people that so that, A, they'd feel good that, wow, this guy, you know, this is awesome. I, I've paid for his experience uh, or, or I'm getting the benefit of his experience. But the other reason I would tell people that is because sometimes you're the client that gets to pay the two hours for me to figure out that solution. And uh, and I'm going to figure it out as efficiently as I can. But but there are some things that you just don't know the answer to. So you say, OK, well, we're going to dig in. We're going to get this solved. 
I always said bullheaded persistence was the key to my success. And it's true there, here, everywhere. You just find a way. And of course, now we have Google and, and, and resources we can tap while we're on the job. That wasn't always the case, but, um, but, it, but it is now, and that's good. And to that point, number three from Graham, it's okay to use a search engine to do that research. Sure, your client can also type a search into Google, but you have the knowledge to type an appropriate search term and to filter the results correctly. It's okay to have the client watch you do that research. Number four, spend time up front listening to the client's situation and requirements. Try not to assume anything about their operation because almost everyone will be doing at least one thing in a strange way. And he puts strange in quotes. Number five, patiently explain things in plain English or relevant language in several different ways if needed. Sketching diagrams as you explain really, really helps. Number six, finally, take lots of notes as you go about what you hear, what you see, what you do, and what you think. You'll need these to recall the context of a client's situation the next time they contact you. That's awesome. Thank you, Graham. That's uh, excellent, excellent advice and, and clearly seasoned advice. So hopefully that's a good start here for this conversation, uh, if there are other questions that you consultants out there or budding consultants have uh, or tips that, that you feel like uh, you want to share, obviously, we, we this is just the start of this. We didn't cover everything by any stretch. So send them in. We'll happily revisit this, you know, every three, four weeks kind of thing and uh, and come back around as sort of a recurring topic here. So anything before uh, before we move on, John? I like number three and number four. So I like number three. In that it says it's okay to use a search engine because Dave, you and I always do that. The thing is, you and I, I think, have honed our technique where, and anybody listening to this show will hone their technique as well. In that, and I, I would say it's probably part of being a consultant is you have to frame the question, or or sometimes if you're looking for a solution, you have to condense the question or get rid of the stuff that's not important and try to find a solution. So, no, I like that part. Yeah. <laughs> and then anybody can use Google, but can you use Google effectively? And you and I both, Dave, have, I think, honed our technique where we can uh, structure the query in a way that will probably get us the right answer. That's so right. To me, that's a very important skill. It's part of, it's part of the, it's part of how I, I never feel embarrassed and I, and I encourage you folks too don't feel embarrassed to solve the problem the way you would solve it for yourself. In fact, that's the best thing you can do is in that sense, treat the problem as your own, right? I, I want to solve mm -hmm. this. Now, maybe you don't care about it, but your client does. So now you do, you solve the problem for yourself and th the way you would do it. And if Google's the fastest way you would do that for yourself, absolutely use it. Now it's good. All right. Yep. I, I want to mention our second sponsor here which is bare bones, bare bones at, of course, barebones.com. They, uh, they make, they, they've been making software, I think perhaps even longer than I've been using the Mac that I'm not sure about, but, uh, but, but pr pretty close. They make BB edit. BB edit is a uh, text editor for the Mac used to literally used to cost 200 bucks. Now 50, uh, nothing about it has changed except that it keeps getting better. And uh, I highly and you can go get a, a demo of this uh, demo copy, 30 day demo at barebones.com. What BB Edit lets you do is manipulate text in a variety of, in almost any different way that you can come up with. It's got uh, a way of sorting text. I use it all the time. I leave BB Edit open on every Mac that I have and 
either I'm editing a file that I have saved on my computer or editing a file that exists on an FTP server somewhere uh, or editing a file. You can see files inside of zip archives, gzip archives. I use it all the time. I open up a blank window, paste stuff in. I can sort text very, very quickly in there and then bring it out. Uh, it works great for that. I can count the number of words in text, uh, the number of letters, literally just by pasting it in. It shows you the number of words and letters right there at the bottom. Uh, if you are editing any kind of code, be it C++, be it JavaScript, be it HTML, be it PHP, as soon as you and, and, and pretty much any other language you can come up with, as soon as you paste it in there, it starts figure or open up the file, depending on how you get it in there. Uh, it formats the code. In fact, if you're looking at a website and you want to see how the website works, you can go into Safari and you can view the source. But it's usually pretty jumbled in there. Well, if you literally just copy and paste that code into BB Edit, it'll highlight everything and show you what functions or what tags balance with other tags and really make it easy to kind of look through that code and see what's going on super easy. In fact, if you've got functions or uh, things like that, you can actually close them up and it'll close up the whole function uh, just visually. It doesn't change the, the text at all. Just visually represents it in a better way. Uh, really, really great stuff. So that's BB edit. And you can check that out at barebones.com. They also make your Jimbo. I've been using Yojimbo long, long, long time listeners of the show will know that I use it to prep the show. I still use it to prep the show. Uh, I've been using it since hours after it was released. It works. What it is for is taking all your ideas, your files, your pictures, your audio, and you can just dump it in here and then categorize it. And you can have things exist in multiple folders. So I could have something as a Mac Geek Gab tip, uh, but also have it categorized as a tech tip that I want to save. So it's when we're done mentioning it here, I delete it from the Mac Geek Gab collection, but it's still in my personal tech tips collection so that when I come back around, I can see it and it's always there. Very, very handy. It uh, allows you to sync amongst multiple Macs and, uh, and it allows rich text. So you want to put images or um, audio, like our audio comments that we sometimes play in the show. Those all come right from within your Jimbo. And I can like today's show I prepped on the couch. Actually, some of it was on the couch. Some of it was at the kitchen table on my MacBook air. I just put the stuff in your Jimbo and magically it syncs and it's here in the studio for me on the iMac. So, Check it all out, barebones.com for BB Edit and for Yojimbo. Great stuff and great folks. All right, John, we've got a little bit of time here. Uh, it's time to go through some of our cool stuff found. Do you have one that you saw at Pepcom that you want to start with? <sighs> that was Get to loud. me in a minute. Okay. <laughs> no, I have a list of things here. I, I uh, Nothing... Uh... I think I saw a Pepcom, but maybe okay. you do. All right. Well, if you do. Yeah. I, well, it, yeah, I did. I saw one thing at Pepcom that uh, that was very interesting to me. Now, it's something that we won't see directly, but uh, the folks at Harman, which are the same, the company that owns uh, JBL, they were showing off their Clarify technology. When you take music and these folks at JBL and at Harman know things about music, when you take music from a uncompressed source and compress it to MP3 or AAC, you wind up losing a lot. You lose a lot of the peaks. So a lot of the attack of, uh, of things, 
And you also lose a lot of stuff at high end above about 10 K just goes away. And that data is gone. You, you can't recreate that, but the folks at Harmon know what music is supposed to look like. So what they've done is they've built this stuff and they built this technology and they call it clarify C L A R I dash F I. It goes through in real time and adds back in all that stuff. It uses a predictive thing and it's amazing how great it works. They had an app uh, that we won't see. It was a demo app running on iOS that was taking regular music files on iOS and playing them back. And you could kind of toggle clarify on and off. It was just for a demo. It was amazing. So you want to look out it, it, and it really made things come alive. It made the music sound like it's supposed to. Um, and it, 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 you know, if you're playing a CD, this technology won't do anything because it's basically uncompressed at that point. Yeah. There, I know there's some digital conversion stuff that happens there, but, but really this is about the compressed stuff. So, uh, but, but, you know, the more compressed it is, the more work this, this engine will do. It's going to be coming out in a bunch of products. I, I think it's going to be coming out in some cars. It's going to be coming out in some, uh, I, I think some com- consumer electronics devices and, uh, so check it out. We'll put a link uh, about the tech in the show notes, but, but that's one thing to, uh, to, to keep an eye on because uh, I, I, it, it, I've seen a lot of these things over the years. This is the one that blows me away. So it was, uh, it was fun to see. And, uh, and with that, we'll jump to Josh. Josh says, uh, I was listening to episode 496 and heard the complaint about not being able to turn off cellular data without leaving the app. So I have a cool stuff found for you. It says, while it's true that you can't turn it off in notification center, you can tell Siri to turn it off. And like a good little assistant that she is, Siri does it. I hope that helps pilot Pete while he's driving around that big metal bird. So I, I will make sure. In fact, I already did share it with Pete. Uh, so he knows that uh, that that's how that works. So I had no I You know, I got to remember to use Siri more often because it's. uh it's, you know, it, it, so you can mess her. with settings. What's that, John? I fight with her. She really doesn't do what I want. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> you got one? Um, I got a couple, Dave, here. So uh, do one, and then we'll bounce it back and forth. Pepcom. Right. That's so, fine. um, we actually touched on this in the last show, but I thought I'd bring it to the, uh, forefront here, but um, we were talking about a, a time machine, right? Yep. And gee, how do you see what's in there? And I don't think we explicitly mentioned it. I hope we didn't. Oh yeah, I good idea. We did no, we didn't. But um, backup loop is a program. So Dave had a issue with what the heck is taking up my? Why is my time machine backup? saying it's 80 gigabytes what's going on here and i actually had that too dave where the thing is in my case what happened is i had my exclusion list updated because i was changing my system setup because of um transporter and some of their new features and all of a sudden my system said oh well i'm gonna back up tens of gigabytes of data and i'm like well i didn't ask you to do that right right (laughs) Yeah. Now backup so, loop's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So basically, backup loop is a uh, utility from a www.soma-zone.com slash backup loop, L-O-U-P-E. What's in your time machine backup? This tells you. Sweet. That's it. Listener Joe writes, 
Uh, I don't know if you ever indulge in carpentry, but if you or any of your other listeners do, they should check out the Woodcraft app for iPad or iPhone. It's practically a CAD design program, and it actually works. I'm very impressed with it and thought I would let you know. We'll put a link in the show notes. This is uh, I, I didn't uh, start using it, but I checked it out in the uh, in the store. It's it's actually quite amazing uh, how it's worth just looking at the screenshots. It lets you, you, you start with planning your project. And then from there, uh, you, you, you build a list of materials and you have, you know, uh, plans to follow and, and you can store different projects in there. It's, it's really actually pretty cool. So, uh, so we will put that in the show notes for sure, because, uh, I, I love that stuff. So it's called wood craft is the, uh, is the name for it. And it works for mm. iPad or iPhone. And then uh, I checked something out. I, I saw this at CES and finally was able to get my hands on it recently. Uh, something from Energy, I-N-N-E-R-G-I-E, called the Life Hub. Uh, it retails for about 50 bucks. And what it is, you know, when you're sitting on the couch and you're at the end of the day and your iPhone is low on battery, but you just want to mess with it. You want to have it there. You want to have it used, but you need to charge it because it, you know, it got like 2% left and it's just not going to make it. So you plug it into the wall, but now you're you're tethered to the wall and you're sort of uncomfortable on the couch because you're holding your phone at a weird angle because the cable's just too short. That's what the life hub is for. This thing plugs into the wall. It has three USB ports on it and it's got a long cable. Uh, I, it, I'm trying to it's got a 15 foot cable on this thing and it's got three 2.1 amp ports so they can charge three iPads simultaneously. And it looks cool. It's got like a uh, uh, it's got a, a coil uh, a, or a cable wrap thing on it so that uh, if you don't need all 15 feet, you're not stuck with, you know, cables everywhere. And uh, it, and it, it's it and it's got it's kind of a little loop uh, looking thing and it's got a little blue glow to it. But we can put it we kind of tuck it uh, over the top of the couch between two of the the kind of the, the head cushions there. And then two people, three people, in fact, can plug into it. And uh, you're just sitting there and you're using your device and it's charging or being at least being powered. Well, actually, it would be charging while you're uh, while you're using it. So it's called the Energy Life Hub. And uh, it, like I said, I think their price is 60 bucks, but you can find it out there for about 50. And it's awesome. We love this thing. The kid, As soon as the kids saw it, they're like, we've needed this for years. I'm like, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> so it's great. Yeah. As soon as I saw it, I felt the same way. So it's good stuff. You got one for us, John, or should I take it to uh, go? Oh, let me see. You know, this came up, but I, uh, we know about this day, but I thought I mentioned it because my neighbor needed to take advantage of it. What do you do when you see your neighbor with a car in the driveway with no plates? It's like, oh, dude, what happened to your car? So very quickly, car MD, you can read your car's codes. So www.carmd.com. And All I brought right. it over to his place, and I'm like, dude, let's plug it in. His car was new enough to have a diagnostic port, plugged it in, and it gave us four <laughs> codes. And what were the, what did the codes tell you? Uh, oxygen sensor, I think. Oh, no so, kidding. But uh, it came up. It was, a, you know, I had it stashed away, but he was like, oh, you know, my car, I don't know what's going on with it. So Yeah, right. Huh. Cool. I think it's like 120 bucks for that thing. Y- you know, you can get the... Um, it's yet another rerun, so I won't spend a lot of time on it, but you know, automatic is the, uh, is the other way to, uh, to do that. And you just leave that plugged into your car and it'll, it'll report that stuff all the time. 
So, uh, so yeah, there you go. That's a, that's a twofer. All right, Tom, (laughs) I love it when people remind us of things. Tom says, uh, in your listeners, constant search for applications that will allow you, allow them to set up a personal cloud. I'm surprised that Apple's own OS 10 server program does not pop up more often for 20 bucks and the price of a static IP address and a domain name. I set up a mail server, a file server, a web server, and a VPN. All of this is set up on my iMac at home. Interestingly, it also set up a, sets up a personal server for calendar contacts, of course, and reminders and notes. The server works exactly like iCloud with these applications, automatically syncing the data in the background between devices. The file server is accessible through WebDAV and FTP, allowing easy access through many cheap and easy third-party applications for both OS X and iOS. The web server automatically sets up a front-end for a reasonably good personal wiki and a rudimentary blog for all users. And, of course, it's all private and stored on your own personal server. It's totally true. You know, when we talk about personal cloud, I'm always thinking about syncing files, which OS 10 server doesn't have like a Dropbox esque component in it, at least not yet. Maybe it would be nice if Apple built one, but uh, but you could set up BitTorrent sync on that and then uh, and then you're good to go. So thanks, Tom. That's uh, that's a good reminder that uh, or a good. That's not a reminder. It's a good note that OS 10 server can can actually be that calendar server for you. It can be that that contacts app. And you don't need Tom did it with a static IP. You don't need that. You can actually for calendars and contacts. I think most ISPs will allow that traffic into all IPs. So you could just do a, uh, a dynamic DNS like uh, no dash IP dot com will uh, will do that for you. So very good. Jeff sent in an awesome article. If you're having any questions about iOS battery drain and uh, we'll put a link in the show notes, this article got uh, got picked up, I think last week, John, from overthought.org. And uh, I'm not going to read the whole article to you, but 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 there's some great tips in here. So the first one is to ensure to, to see what your battery, what's happening with your battery drain. What you do is you open up uh, on your iPhone or iPad Go to uh, settings and about and look or set. Sorry, settings and, and usage and uh, or settings general and usage. I'll get it right. And uh, and you'll see that there is standby time and usage time. Standby time is the amount of time that your iPhone has been unplugged. So since it's been on charge and usage time is the amount of time that it's actually been in use, i.e. not idle. Those two numbers should be radically different. Um, If they are the same or close to the same, it can indicate a problem. But what you want to do is just take take a look at both of those numbers, maybe even jot them down and then put your phone to sleep for five minutes and then wake your phone up. The standby time number should increase by five minutes. The usage time number should increase by very little, a minute or less. If they increase together or the usage time increases even three or four minutes in the five that it's been idle, you have a problem. So that's a really it's a great way to know. Then he goes through, he says, I disable location and his 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 tips are this disable location and background app refresh for Facebook. I can agree totally here that the Facebook app is horrible for uh, chewing up CPU time in the background. Uh, And then he says disable background app refresh for all the apps that you don't care about. Stop quitting your apps and multitasking. Leave them running, he says. 
Uh, disable push email temporarily just to see if that's a problem. He says a lot of exchange servers can have issues there. Uh, disable push notifications for apps that annoy you. Remember, every push notification, push notifications themselves don't burn the battery, but waking up the screen does. So if there's push notifications you're not paying attention to, turn them off. Um, he says turn off the battery percentage because if you obsess about it, you're going to actually be waking up your phone to look at the battery percentage and therefore burning battery. Uh, and uh, he says enable airplane mode in areas of poor cell service. This is a, a great piece of advice because your phone is going to be constantly trying to get a good cell signal if it doesn't have one. Uh, and that will burn your battery more than than being in a, a an area where you have a good cell signal. The phone can kind of sleep about that and just know that it's got a connection. Whereas if it doesn't, it's got to be constantly searching. So there's there's a lot more data in his article. He's a former Apple genius. He saw a lot of iPhones and solved a lot of these problems. So uh, so we'll put this in the uh, in the show notes. The tip I like, especially Dave, because we got some feedback on this, is if your name is Allison, yeah, you may have a problem. And that our friend Allison indicated that her standby, the two times that are shown in that pane were the same, which indicates basically her phone is not sleeping. No, Why? we don't know, but we will find out right. because of all these other tips. But yeah, if, if those two times are equivalent, which in my case, Dave, and I'm sure your case as well, but I tried this today. I actually yeah. read the article and I'm like, yeah, you know, my phone was in standby for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. It wasn't active. So that's, yeah, it's bizarre. No, it's, it's keeping it awake. So, uh, so it was great that it does a step by step walkthrough of what could possibly be keeping my phone <laughs> burning all that battery. That's right. That's no, great. Allison sent us an email, actually, John, in, in the last show, we uh, shared someone's tip about uh, using Apple's shared photo streams right. without sharing them with anyone else. And she says it's a great tip. But remember, or maybe you don't know, because I didn't know. She alerted us to the fact that PhotoStream stores copies of every photo outside of your photo library as well as inside it. They're stored in home library application support, iLife Asset Management slash assets. Um, and so I, I'm hoping she does a blog post on this because I would love to to link to it. But uh, but just the, the advice is. If you don't have a lot of storage on your Macs that are subscribed to PhotoStream, this may not be the best way to do it because you're going to duplicate at best um, all your, right. your photo storage because it'll be in iPhoto as well as in this folder here. So thanks, Allison. That's uh, that's a good tip. Listener Greg sent in an awesome one, John. He says, uh, I heard about this app on Michael Johnston's We Have Communicators show. Uh, Adam Christensen recommended it. It's called Flashback, and it's a it's a camera uh, app for your iPhone. Uh, it's two bucks, I believe. I'm looking, yep, one ninety nine. And uh, <laughs> what it does is it when you go to take a picture, it or when you launch the app, it starts recording video. Now it doesn't keep all that video, but when you take a picture, it stores five seconds of video from before that picture. And a lot of times there's like a funny little setup to a picture. And now you've got the video for that. So it's this constantly running uh, video thing. And then it, at any point you can say, Ooh, I want that little bit of video and you've got it. So, uh, so very cool stuff. Thank you, Greg, for, uh, for sharing that across our uh, podcast world here. Cause I hadn't heard about that yet. I hadn't listened to that, that episode of WHC. 
But uh, but I will take this moment to thank Michael Johnston for converting this show and most shows to AAC. He didn't convert last week's. That's my fault. I didn't. We had some workflow issues uh, because I had upgraded to Mavericks here. I won't bore you with. But um, but we had some workflow issues that that it resulted in me neglecting to notify him that the show was out. So uh, but he'll convert this one because I'll make sure the uh, the email goes out. So thank you, Michael. Check out. We have communicators too, folks. He makes a great show over there. All right, John, what else you got? For what? Cool stuff found? Anything? For just anything? Uh, no? All right. I don't know. They could be reruns. I okay. Avoid reruns. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, then I will go to um, Ian uh, shared an article with us. And Ian... Mm. Um, this is this is great. It's actually an article that our friend Peter Cohen wrote, who works uh, he writes over at iMore now, and uh, it's an excellent article about he was having a problem. Peter was having a problem with uh, Wi-Fi being flaky on Mavericks, and what he did was he uh, to fix it. Interestingly enough, he deleted his Bluetooth preferences file, which uh, seems counterintuitive. Uh, but if you go into uh, your main hard drive, go to library, go to preferences, go to com.apple.bluetooth.plist, uh, that's the file that Peter, he first he moved it to his desktop, he rebooted the uh, the computer, and then, uh, and then uh, his problems were solved. He had to repair a bunch of his Bluetooth devices. It's possible, uh, the, the, as to the why here, uh, and we'll put a link in the article, or links in the show notes to the article, but... Uh, as to the why here, it's possible that that, you know, the Mac has multiple antennas in the 2.4 gigahertz range, and it uh, it shares them between Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. And so it uh, it's possible that if the Bluetooth is somehow looking for a device uh, or overlooking for a device that doesn't exist, it might wind up, you know, getting in the way of Wi-Fi using the antenna that it should be using. And uh, so so there you go. That's uh, solve Bluetooth by okay. solve Wi-Fi by killing Bluetooth. That's a good one. And now, yeah. Dave, I have one. Yeah, go. Calum, right? Yeah. So we got Calum Co- here. Calum. So Calum. He t- Calum. C a l u m. C a l u m. Very sure. He told us how to pronounce it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he basically wrote in and said, "Your suggestion to use LSOF or Sloth to see what your disk is doing is good, but." It's only a snapshot. And he actually referred to a program that we have touched on in the past day, but I think we should touch on again. Okay. So it's not necessarily new cool stuff found, but it's revisited. But it's called FS Eventer. What does this do, you ask, Dave? <laughs> what does it do? FS events are something within the Mac OS X ecosystem. FS stands for file system. Events is events. So whenever... Uh, if you're using, if you're a Mac developer, you can tie into these things called FS events. And how do you do this? Well, for most people, you would get this program called FS Eventer. And then anytime the Mac is opening, reading, writing, closing, or doing other things with the file system, which is why it's called FS event, you will see it. And I would agree that that is a much better solution than using LSOF or what we mentioned um, the other utility sloth sloth 
Yeah. Because that shows you LSOF, but LSOF is a big ball of yarn and there, there are so many strings that, yeah. So I would agree that FS events is a much better way to do this, Dave. I agree. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. All right. Mark uh, has a good tip. He says in the finder sidebar, I have a bunch of folders and my favorites. I just accidentally held the command key and left click normally clicked my document and uh, a new tab over in my folder and a new tab opened. Uh, and he's right. If you if you have stuff in your favorites in the sidebar in Mavericks Finder uh, and you tap one of them while or click one of them, I'm, I'm in iOS mode. But if you click one of them while holding down command, it will pop that open in a new tab inside that same finder window. So thanks. That's uh, that's good stuff, Mark. And did you try that one out, John? It's crazy. It's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is this is interesting uh, for folks that need to live on conference calls. Mike sent in the recommendation of the app called Mobile Day. And uh, he says, once you set it up, it connects to your calendar and pulls out all conference call information. It then provides you with a reminder and a one button solution to dial into the conference bridge. Says this has been fantastic for calling while I'm driving. He says, I take a lot of conference calls from the car. No more trying to read the numbers and doing dangerous things. Says I just use mobile day and uh, it works great. So it's actually mobile And uh, I, I have not tried it yet, but. Now I'm now I'm eager because I wind up doing a lot of conference calls. And uh, yeah, that's that's handy. It's good stuff. So thank you, Mike. That's awesome. All right. Uh, how are we doing on time here? Do we have time for a couple of more. I like to pack these in. Uh, maybe we got time for one or two more. Let's see. Um, yeah, I like uh, Stefan. He uh, he wrote in here. Let me, let me find Stefan's so I can get this right. Stefan wrote, here's a tip for you and your listeners. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was in the market for a good external battery for my iPhone and iPad. After thoroughly reviewing what's on offer out there, here's what I found to be the best one at the moment for my purpose. The new Trent power pack 10.0. It is a 10,000 milliamp hour capacity battery, which gives me enough juice for both my iPad two and iPhone five on the go, i.e. on a long plane ride. Anything less than 10,000 milliamp hours is almost not worth carrying around, as he says. And beyond 10,000, uh, these batteries become unwieldy. It, actually, the new Trent 10.0 is quite small physically for its capacity, and it has a both a one amp port for smartphones and a 2.1 amp port for tablets uh, that can be used simultaneously. And it's 37 bucks, actually 36.95 at Amazon with free shipping. It's a steal. Compare that to the Mophie Juice Pack Power Station Duo in the Apple Store. That one has only 6,000 milliamp hours and costs 100 bucks. And it's not like the Mophie is tiny in comparison. Uh, the volumes are almost identical, but the new transform factor is actually better. It's slightly taller and wider. So we will put a link to this in the show notes. It does. It looks it's about the size of the um, of the iPhone 5. I mean, it's just not that much taller than it. So uh, 36 bucks or 37 bucks for a 10,000 milliamp hour. It doesn't get better than that. That's pretty awesome. Hmm. Yeah, I know. I like it. That's good stuff. I get excited about this stuff, John. It's uh, <laughs> it's okay. It's good, right? 10.0 battery pack. All right. That one's in the show notes. Uh, one last one. We'll let, we'll let Cindy wrap it up here. Cindy writes. I think Cindy writes. Yeah, here we are. Uh, 
So I heard John uh, that you mentioned uh, or, uh, that uh, John, you mentioned that you miss the colors of finder items used in mountain lion. Cindy says, although I have always hated the saturation of the colors used for labels, uh, I miss being able to see and sort by colors and quickly see those colors. The tiny tags dot just isn't obvious enough. Plus some files have more than one tag. So in comes the handy folder all made by Erica Sadoon. This app easily allows you to choose any color for any folder. This doesn't help with the sorting and labeling of colors that we had in mountain lion, but it does make for finding a folder much easier. And uh, folder all is available at, uh, oh, where is it here? She didn't send a link. So I've got a Google for it. Uh, oh, it's available in the Mac app store. Even better. That's awesome. So, uh, so there you go. Folder all. Nice. Yeah. I want more color in my life, Dave. Because I think we all do. Don't we? Um, sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Folder is good. Color in life is good. Sure. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes too. And with that, let me see. So we're on a new mixer this week, folks. Uh, I think the sound is pretty similar, but uh, the, the power supply and the mixer that we've been using for the last uh, almost nine years, eight and a half years, um, mm. is we started using it. The first show we recorded with it was Halloween of 2005, mm. uh, I, which I listened to on the way back from uh, from your house the other day. I don't know why. I don't know. Oh, nostalgia. Yeah. Mm. So. Well, you're just... <laughs> All right, you feel bad about the passing of our friend. Which friend? The mixer. Mm. Oh, no, no. Or the component. It hasn't, it hasn't passed. It's being fixed. Dude, I, I had no. the mixer with us, actually, or with me when I was at your house. Mm. And we were going to... We, we we had we, we talked about taking it apart and seeing if we could fix the, there's a couple of capacitors on it that uh, on this particular model the Mackie Onyx 1220 that that go bad in the power supply and uh, obviously we didn't fix it so I brought it to a, a Mackie repair shop here in New Hampshire mm-hmm. dude when I walked into this shop it was like I walked into uh, remember the doc the doctor but but it was the doc that Christopher Lloyd played in in uh, in Back to the Future. It, right, the, right. The, this place looked like his lab, with the with the exception of the robot putting uh, food into Einstein's dish. But there were speakers everywhere and wires all over the place. And the dude analog electronics. The dude looked like Christopher Lloyd. So he didn't. Well, he wasn't wearing the right. the uh, you know the lab coat, but um, and he was a little bit flaky. But you could tell he's a total genius. So uh, so our, our board is in good hands. I, I but guess. again, was it was it mostly analog electronics? You know, with these you know ancient. <laughs> Mostly, yeah. I mean, he he works on digital <laughs> boards too. Um, right. But but uh, but yeah. No, it was just like speakers everywhere, which of course are all analog. Yeah. No, it was great. It was awesome. I, I loved it. It was it was fun. So, so Dave, if yes. you wanted to make an analog call to us, or yes, at least partially analog, yes, could I offer a suggestion? Go. You should pick up the telephone and call two zero six 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 six. Geek. Analog only, please. Which and is? Geek is 4335. Can I dial that on my digital device, though? As long as it has a digital to analog converter, yes. All right. <laughs> so that's what we can do. All right. You can also email me at, uh, or email me. You can email us 
at, at uh, feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Yep. I said feedback at MacGeekGab.com, John. Well, if you said that, then I have to say, did you say feedback at MacGeekGab.com? I did. And, uh, and you know what? You can also find us on Facebook. John, tell them how to find us on Facebook. I would say you go to Facebook.com slash MacGeekGab. That's what you do. We thanked Michael Johnston before, and Michael does a great job. Thank you so much, my friend. Uh, Also, Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com for all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. The podcast marketplace includes BB Edit from Barebones Software and Yojimbo, as we mentioned. Gazelle.com, as we mentioned. Text Expander and PDF Pen from Smile. Squarespace.com slash MGG. I fix it, as we mentioned in the last show. And Rage Software with Everweb. All through Backbeat Media. John, I kicked this one off. Why don't you uh, share some lasting advice here? And lasting advice for all of us is please don't get caught. Made up.